Good evening, and welcome to Money Matters. My name is Kim Hatza, and I'm a business attorney at Growth Council in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We provide a full panoply of corporate transactional services for our clients. I focus my practice in the areas of technology and life sciences. Tonight, we're continuing our series on life sciences leaders in the Delaware Valley. Before I get started, I want to remind our viewers that from time to time, financial issues relating to life sciences or technology matters or companies may be discussed on the show. These discussions are not and should not be viewed as financial advice. Moreover, since the show is pre-recorded and shown at a later time, the information may no longer be current. You should always check with your financial advisor before entering into any financial transaction. I'm happy to have with me as my co-host this evening, Charlie Huntington. Charlie is the head of public relations for Life Sciences PA. Life Sciences PA is the voice of advancement for the life sciences in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Charlie, thank you for co-hosting. Pleasure, Kevin. Charlie, many of our viewers are uh, either members of Life Sciences PA or attend many of the programs sponsored by Life Sciences PA. I was wondering if you might take a minute and share with our viewers any recent news and, and maybe any upcoming programs? Absolutely. Thanks, Kimmon. Uh, probably the, the biggest news of the year is Life Sciences PA is relocating their offices for where they've been for many years off Sweetsford Road and Wayne to the Discovery Labs site, which many of us know uh, used to be GlaxoSmithKline's Upper Marion site. So that's going to happen uh, a, a few weeks from now in, in late February, early March. Um, and I know they're looking forward to that, and that's going to provide a lot of space uh, as well as the ability for those of us connected to life science to brush elbows with, with brothers and sisters in the industry far more than we used to be able to. So lots of them will be located right there um, with a heavy focus on uh, businesses that have spun out of Penn. So that's one thing. I'll highlight some things on the calendar. Um, my favorite uh, is rapidly becoming the annual tailgate. Uh, which started during COVID, and that is uh, um, that's always a hit. Uh, it's in King of Prussia, and I think they had upwards of a thousand people at that last year uh, on what probably was the hottest day of the year. But we're looking forward to that. Uh, casual clothes are are fine for that one, and then midsummer, July. 19 to 21, there's a virtual event, which is Life Sciences Future, focused on med tech. Uh, and then in October, October 6 and 7, there's a Life Sciences Future event, which is the Biofarm event that many of us know. And that one still may be in person. They haven't decided whether that one's going to be virtual or not yet. So Thanks. just wanted to highlight a few things and appreciate the opportunity to do so, Kevin. Sure thing. Well, we have a terrific guest uh, for our show tonight, Charlie, but uh, before I bring him out, I just wanted to remind our viewers that if you have a question you would like us to answer on a future show, watch this video to see how you do it. You can have your questions answered on Money Matters. Please go to our website, money-matters-tv.com, or on our homepage, 
click on the banner on the right that says, Send Us Your Questions. While you're on our website, you can find information about our hosts and guests, as well as show notes and links about this show and past shows. Money Matters is also available as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen to Money Matters while you're on the go. That website address, again, is money, M-O-N-E-Y, dash matters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S, tv.com. It's uh, with great pleasure that I welcome our special guest this evening, Stephen Kelly. Mr. Kelly is the president and CEO of Charisma Therapeutics, a clinical stage biopharmaceutical company discovering and developing innovative immunotherapies to improve and extend the lives of cancer patients. He joined Charisma four years ago, bringing nearly 30 years of experience with pharmaceutical and biotech companies in all phases of the business and across multiple therapeutic categories, albeit with significant experience in the oncology space. Mr. Kelly's experience includes various commercial and manufacturing roles at larger companies such as Sanofi, IDEC Pharmaceuticals, and Amgen, as well as senior executive positions at early stage companies, including being the CEO of Pintion Therapeutics, the CEO of Theracrin, and the CEO of Innovi Pharmaceuticals, to name a few. He received his Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Oregon and his MBA from Cornell University. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here, absolutely. Uh, We're certainly happy to have you. Steve, what first attracted you to, uh, to a career in the life sciences? Well, I think it, all, it started in, in college, of course. Uh, we had, um, I, I was pursuing biology and chemistry both, uh, and it was uh, it's fascinating. I found the, the, uh, the science uh, really intriguing. And uh, when I graduated uh, with a degree in biology and chemistry, uh, I was able to uh, secure a position at Amgen back when it was a relatively small company, a couple hundred people, uh, and really jumped right in uh, and have been uh, building my career uh, uh, ever since, uh, whether it's in manufacturing, uh, at that time, process development. Uh, and then I, I left, got an MBA, and went back for business applications of, uh, of the science. Um, I asked this next question of um, of a lot of our guests who are CEOs. Although in your in your case, this question may answer itself. Um, how did your experience with with larger pharma and biotech companies, as well as your more recent experiences with with startups and early stage companies, including one of which you were the founder, help prepare you to be the CEO of Charisma? That's a great question, and I think that. Um... It hasn't been by design necessarily, but it's really building blocks. Uh, and like I said, I started off in manufacturing. And so that's an, an essential component of, of the work we're doing in, in life sciences. Then I uh, was able to get a, a marketing uh, background um, and uh, launched uh, some uh, multi-billion dollar a year uh, uh, programs. Went from there to uh, a startup company where I learned fundraising uh, and, and kept the entire capital market side. Uh, and so really, it's been building blocks, uh, every, covering everything from ideation to discovery to clinical to commercialization and then monetization, either uh, through business development transactions or uh, uh, through uh, product sales and all with the ultimate aim of, of benefiting the patient. So it's it's uh, it's building blocks is how I would say it over the last uh, you know, 30 years, I guess. That's great. Um, what would you say is the most challenging aspect of your role as CEO of Charisma? I think it comes down to 
managing risk. Uh, so we're breaking new ground uh, at Charisma, doing something that's never been done before, uh, leveraging the learnings from a variety of other players, but applying it to a new technology. And I think that managing that risk and, and managing the spend to focus, deliver value inflection points as we go forward uh, is, is really the, the most important thing. So uh, deliver results and uh, uh, be capital efficient in the process. Great. Steve, would you tell us about Charisma Therapeutics, please? Oh, yeah. So Charisma is it's a pen spin out uh, that was formed in uh, 2016 by two uh, great scientists, and uh, Mike Klachinski and Sard Gill. And uh, their idea was to take the, the approach that was developed at Penn around CAR-T uh, or chimeric antigen receptor T-cells, which is a way to give T-cells ability to, recognition, to recognize cancer uh, cells and eliminate them and apply it to a new cell, the macrophage. Macrophages are essentially the body's Pac-Man. They patrol through circulation. They look for things that shouldn't go, be there and eliminate them. And what we've done is engineered the macrophage to recognize cancer cells. And so we do that work outside the body and then put the patient's uh, cells back in. Uh, and then they will go and find a specific uh, target on the cancer cell and then start a cascade of events where it kills the cancer cell, uh, but also mobilizes the immune system to continue the work uh, and make sure that the cancer is eliminated and doesn't come back. Steve, why is charisma in this business? It, it comes down to the huge unmet medical need in solid tumors. Cell therapy as a category has been fantastic in uh, hematologic malignancies like leukemia and lymphoma. Uh, however, has lacked activity in solid tumors. And we believe that macrophages fundamentally address the, the primary objections uh, or, or the uh, obstacles, the barriers, uh, the ability to, to target uh, and traffic to and target cancer cells in the solid tumor environment, the ability to overcome an immunosuppressive signal uh, uh, that blunts the activity of the cells, and the ability to overcome something that's called antigen heterogeneity. And so not all cancer cells will express a single uh, target. And so we have to be able to address uh, that as well uh, to prevent relapse for antigen negative relapse. And macrophages address each of those three, three things exquisitely. And uh, so we're really pursuing it. We think it's a fantastic game-changing approach to solid tumor uh, cell therapy. So what, what are the company's main areas of focus? So right now, we, I would uh, boil it down into three very tightly aligned areas. One is discovery. Uh, so we're building new understanding and awareness of how uh, of macrophage biology and how to deploy them. So the discovery side is, is addressing key questions about how to make these cells work the way we want them to. Number two is clinical development. So we are in the clinic with a HER2 targeted CAR macrophage that uh, HER2 is present on breast cancer, gastroesophageal, ovarian, colon, uh, lung. These are all cancers with unmet medical need. And so we're doing clinical development to establish a clinical baseline of our activity. Lastly, and importantly, we're focusing on manufacturing. This is a, a capital intensive area where we're working, uh, creating these cells and uh, uh, engineering these cells externally. Uh, and so uh, we need to get that exactly right. And so those three pieces are, are well combined uh, to deliver on the promise of this approach. So does Charisma have proprietary IP? We do. So in the foundation of the company, uh, uh, Sar and Mike were at Penn. Penn holds the IP portfolio. It's a broad IP portfolio that contemplates putting a car, a chimeric antigen receptor, 
in monocytes, macrophages, or dendritic cells through our viral means, through non-viral means, regardless of the starting cell source, an autologous or a patient-derived source or an off-the-shelf approach. Uh, it doesn't matter. We have a very uh, broad IP portfolio staking out our position uh, in engineering macrophages, uh, regardless of the therapeutic category. So what stage would you say of development is the company's technology? So we're early. We're in the uh, clinical investigation stage, I would say. So we were formed uh, five years ago. Our first funding came in uh, four years ago. Uh, and we're really optimizing the platform, doing the clinical investigation stage to, to establish that clinical baseline to understand what we have to engineer to improve it. Uh, we will uh, continue to evolve this uh, first pro uh, product and look at uh, other ways to deploy it clinically, answer the, these questions, and eventually getting into a registrational approach. We're also looking at bringing on other antigen targets as we go forward as well. So uh, will you require FDA approval? Eventually, yes. It's uh, it's uh, probably, a, I would say, three to five year uh, to get to the point where we are satisfied with our, our results that we have established uh, clinical efficacy with a, a, a safety profile that makes sense in a competitive environment. But once we've established that, we can put it into a registrational approach and uh, a phase three study where we would eventually generate the data and submit that to the FDA. Okay, and what does your recent fast track designation from granted by the FDA mean for Charisma? Yeah, so, so fast track is one of these uh, three different programs the FDA has in place. What it enables us to do is have a very close dialogue with the FDA as we go forward. So we have these are called interact meetings where we can come with questions along the way. So we've seen this, we wanted to uh, sort of change a slight direction and pursue this way. And it's really an open door policy by the FDA enabling us to have that dialogue to more efficiently drive uh, to a point where the data supports an FDA approval. And so it's that, that tight alliance. And it's really, it's an important part of, of our regulatory pathway. That's great to have that interaction with them. Um, yeah. What would you what would you anticipate as other uses for your technology, if any? Yeah, so if you think about the macrophage, what what they do is they look for things that shouldn't be there. So it's very good at uh, it's called phagocytosis or eating, and so they go through the cells go and and will eat things that shouldn't be there. So we could deploy it in a variety of ways. So oncology makes a lot of sense. Cancer cells should not be there. We're showing the, the macrophages how to target and drive the eating uh, process. There are other places that you could think about. Liver fibrosis is a perfect example. Macrophages tend to traffic towards liver uh, and uh, you have liver fibrosis or fibrotic conditions that you want eliminated. The macrophages could go in and eat those, uh, uh, those fibrotic uh, lesions. Same thing would be true for neurodegeneration where there's accumulation of proteins, whether it's alpha, beta, uh, uh, tau, alpha-synuclein, sorry, A-beta, uh, tau, and alpha-synuclein, so you could target those and eliminate those. And so we're still exploring where are all the places that we could deploy an engineered macrophage. Um, Steve, I want to switch to a topic that's both typically near and dear to the hearts of many of our guests and also the bane of their existence, uh, financing. Um, how's the company financed currently and what's your plan for financing and growing the company down the road? Yeah, a great question. And, and uh, the, you're right, it could be the bane of, of people's existence. So uh, this is a capital intensive business uh, and there's no question cell therapy is probably on the, on the top of, uh, for biotech in terms of 
how much capital is needed to realize the potential. So our funding to date has been two rounds of equity financing, $60 million raised in a Series A in June of 2018. An additional $60 million was raised in February of last year. And that gives us uh, cash runway for, for uh, some time, and but we'll still have to access the, the capital markets. Fortunately, we also just uh, announced a partnership with Moderna uh, that gave us a cash up front uh, position, extending our cash front runway into 2023. Regardless, our approach is to do uh, additional equity financing. And eventually, I think with the, the magnitude that we're looking for, we have to make the leap to a public listing and access the public capital markets. Okay. Um, talk a little bit about the importance of that collaboration with Moderna. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic story. So we started speaking with Moderna back in July last year. And obviously, we are we, we believe we're the world's experts uh, in engineering macrophages and monocytes. Uh, they're the world's experts in mRNA uh, and something called lipid nanoparticle uh, technology, which is a delivery vehicle. And it turns out that we reached out to them and tried to, to see if we could have a research collaboration to look at what's called in vivo delivery or the ability to uh, to rather than do all the engineering outside the body, do it inside the body. What they have is, is a delivery technology that hones towards circulating monocytes. So what we're going to be doing is building and constructing the mRNA sequence to deliver our gene uh, into macrophages, and we'll use their delivery technology to get it to, uh, to the macrophages in the body. What it means for us is it's a brand new way to deploy our technology from the cell therapy approach to an in vivo uh, uh, off the shelf approach. And it's, it's, it's really fantastic. It, customized uh, or personalized approach to, uh, to, to using, to developing um, uh, car monocytes. What it means for us from a financial perspective, uh, $80 million up front in cash and an equity investment. Uh, they will fully fund all the research and development going forward. Uh, and there are significant uh, milestones uh, on discovery, clinical and commercial uh, uh, sales. Uh, as well as a royalty. So it's it's really a, a fantastic opportunity uh, that may be able to uh, address some of the challenges around cell therapy in terms of being off the shelf and the costs associated with that. Uh, and it should be able to, uh, if we can solve uh, many of the technical challenges, it uh, should be a, a, a great boon for, for cancer patients. That's great. Um, talk a little about if are there competitive products in the industry now? And if so, could you... Um, distinguish your technology from what's currently out there? Yeah, I think that, that, that there's two ways to look at competition. One would be cell therapy. So we are in the cell therapy space. T-cells have been uh, developed for a number of years. A lot of work has come out of Penn, uh, forming companies to, to drive this forward. There are, I believe it's three approved uh, CAR T-cells and hemolignancy. A lot of those companies are trying to, to look into solid tumors to see if there's an approach. So they would be con, uh, considered competitors, but we think, again, we have a differentiated approach. Other competitors would be things that focus on macrophages like us. And so there's these uh, macrophage depletion strategies or macrophage depol uh, repolarization strategies or remove a don't eat, me, don't eat me signals, hoping to engage macrophages. So there's a lot of approaches uh, in that way. Uh, to leverage the, the really uh, fantastic uh, mechanisms that macrophages provide. 
when you look at specifically engineering macrophages or monocytes is a very limited uh, list of, of competitors. Unfortunately, our intellectual property position that we talked about a little bit earlier uh, should be sufficient to keep uh, some of those competitors out. That's great. Um, what are the big, biggest barriers uh, to entry into your industry? So intellectual property is, is, is hugely important, not just for us, but any uh, life sciences company that's coming out there. So I think that if you're differentiated, you have a, a unique idea, you can attract capital because that's the next barrier. Will you have enough capital to uh, pursue various indications? Mm -hmm. The third thing is people. Uh, and uh, I think that we have a fantastic group of people. We're 60 employees. Uh, and uh, deep, uh, deep understanding of macrophage biology and how to engineer macrophages, deep understanding of cell therapy manufacturing. Uh, so it's another important uh, part. And the, uh, also a clinical development expertise as well. And so, you know, we, we have we have an idea. We have the capital to develop it uh, and we have the people to drive it forward. And so those are the biggest barriers. Other companies can pull things like that together. But if you nail it on all three of those, I think you're in a really good spot. That's great. So what, what would success look like for Charisma? I think that as we look out over the next three to five years, driving our programs uh, into further clinical development, whether it's more uh, registrational uh, studies so we can get onto the market, it's probably a five-year path to actually get an approved agent uh, to, uh, to market. That, that's really what we're driving for. We want to develop the, this technology uh, for cancer patients and I think that that would uh, be success if we can get that onto the market. I think other metrics would be where else can we deploy macrophages outside of oncology and, and uh, expanding utility would also be success. Okay, great. Steve, you've lived in San Diego, you've lived in Boston, you live here. Um, how would you, how important is it to live in the right region? Uh, how does the Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia area compare for building a life sciences company uh, in this region. Um, if you could speak to that, I'd appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. So the one thing I would say is that the weather in Philadelphia does not compare. Well. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a conducive part of, of building a company and, and attracting people. But no, seriously, the when I moved down here four years ago from Boston, uh, obviously Boston has been uh, known as a, as a growing and, and important hub in, in the life sciences area. When I came down here, what I saw is a growing uh, in uh, biotech area. A lot of uh, life sciences legacy, I mean, that's not the right word, but pharma companies. And so when you're looking at building an innovative platform, there are people that you can attract out of life sciences. And I think that having that, that core group of people and, and the, the fact that that life sciences has been part of the Philadelphia area for a long time is important. So you can attract the people. You have innovative institutions uh, where you can license IP. For us, it was Penn, uh, but uh, there are other things. So you want to have these innovative ideas. Capital these days comes from everywhere. It, I, it would be great to have, have uh, venture capital formed in uh, Philadelphia, but it, I think we've proven over the last several years it's not essential. You can attract the venture investors from the uh, from New York and, and from uh, the Bay Area, from Boston, uh, Seattle. It doesn't matter. We can track the capital in here. But innovative ideas uh, and uh, a, a good talent pool, both from established uh, pharma companies as well as coming out of these uh, academic institutions are really important things. And so I've been really pleased to see the, the growth of this environment over the last four years. And it's just been fantastic. And while there's a, a concentration on cell and gene therapy, 
uh, I think the the entire uh, ecosystem is really go, uh, growing. The last area that I'd mention is facilities. So there has been uh, a need to get infrastructure. So as little companies, you can go into an incubator. When you want to evolve out of that incubator into a more established, you know, 50-person uh, firm and have the labs to support that. It's a little bit different. And so uh, I've also seen that there have been developers coming into the area and building that capability. So you can graduate from incubator to small company to midsize to eventually large size. And so I think those are the, the elements uh, that are essential, what I see here in Philadelphia. Kim, I'm going to uh, defer to you. And, and I know we're of limited time. So yeah. why don't you take us home? Let me um, I, I, let me ask you two more questions, I guess. Um, continuing on the same theme uh, from Charlie's question about comparing Philadelphia to other uh, life sciences hubs, what do you see as the biggest challenges for the greater Philadelphia area in terms of sustaining a vibrant life sciences community? Well, it's I think it's it's attracting and and having turnover is not the right word, but new companies forming I think gives us a the ability to attract additional companies. And so I just was speaking with a, a, another uh, person that's starting a company and said, should we move to uh, Philadelphia to start this company? And I think it's attracting entrepreneurs that really want to drive this, people that are experienced in company uh, ideation, formation, and uh, and eventually uh, development and commercialization. I think that that is really important to, to have an attractive environment. And then the, and, and being able to share that uh, with people that are looking at places and locations to form companies is important. So we have to be um, you know, advertise uh, uh, Philadelphia as a, as a place to, to place to be and, and a great place to build a company. And so I think that that's what we need to do and then make sure all the pieces are in place. Uh, great people, uh, infrastructure uh, and uh, uh, ideas uh, and access to capital. I think those would be the four elements that uh, I would see. That's great. Um, in recent years, many of the larger pharmaceutical companies have... Um, you know, laid off many of the folks in their research and development departments that have, you know, more or less outsourced that role uh, to a variety of other groups. Um, and, and we have run into a number of folks who have been displaced by Big Pharma, but have been working on, you know, a compound for, you know, many years and are considering starting their own company. Um, what advice would you have to folks that are, uh, who have not done this before, but are, are considering, you know, taking some knowledge, some intellectual property they might know or have access to and starting their own company. Well, I think that you mentioned the intellectual property. That's the key first step. Is this a protectable asset or category of assets that are going to be able to, um, uh, you know, have freedom to operate and develop? That's the first, first criteria. You have a great idea. Can you protect it? Uh, secondly, you have to look at how would you uh, generate data showing value of your asset as you go forward. And so there are various inflection points and oftentimes inventors uh, tend to go wide and like, oh, I can do this, this and this. But you really have to focus in on what is the, the single uh, data set that is going to demonstrate value to, invest, uh, to investors. And that's how you attract investors. It's a protected asset. It's well differentiated. Here's data showing that it's going to work. I'm going to invest in your company and, and drive forward. And I think that's how you set this up. Uh, and then it just becomes, you know, a, a more of a routine. Continue to be focused. 
uh, and get to various value inflection points. Know that you're funded to that value inflection point. The last thing you want to do is fund to halfway. Uh, and then you're not going to really be able to continue to fund. And so always look at what's, what are those gating factors as you go forward. So in essence, it's a plan. It's a, uh, it's a data generation plan mar married with uh, capital generation. Okay, good advice. Well, I think we're, we're pretty close to the end. I don't know that we have time for any more questions, so I probably should wrap it up here. Love, we'd love to have you back another time and talk some more. I think we could probably easily fill another show. Um, so uh, my thanks this evening to our special guest, Stephen Kelly, the CEO of Charisma. Uh, Charlie Huntington, thank you as always for co-hosting. Uh, the next guest on Money Matters TV is Nick Izzy, CPA of Izzy & Company. Uh, thank you all for listening this evening and we'll see you again next time.